Today's episode is brought to you by Midtown Crossing Grill. Founded in December 2014, Midtown Crossing Grill is a locally owned and operated pizzeria located in the heart of Crosstown, Memphis, down the street from the Crosstown Concourse. Firmly grounded in the belief that unique, excellent culinary creations and attentive, welcoming service defines what we do. Midtown Crossing Grill is located at 394 North Watkins in Memphis, Tennessee. Learn more at MidtownCrossingMemphis.com or on Facebook. Search Midtown Crossing Grill. TheOAMNetwork.com Power to the podcast. I had my first acting role recently. And did you? Yes, I did. I, really? Is, yes. Right yes. on. I play a, shockingly, I play a, a manic depressive drag queen who is... Oh, that's per- a reach. It's a real reach. It was a very challenging role for my talents, uh, who's impersonating a PI, and she lives out of her car. <laughs> okay, this is a great role for you. <laughs> <laughs> Says Tammy Montgomery. Tammy, Tammy knows. Tammy, yep. Some of y'all have seen my car. It's not far off. Welcome to Family Time with Moth and Michaels. So, we're here at Family Time. My, my name is Moth, 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 and across the table with me is... Lisa Michaels, the purple-haired Tramazon. Exactly, also known as Lisa motherfucking Michaels. <gasps> this is um, not a family show, in case you didn't know. Yes, if you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, these are adults having adult conversations, so if you've got little ones in the room, please put your headphones on, or like, wait till they go to bedtime. Uh, today on the show, we've got two good friends here. We have the wonderful Miss Holly Calvacino. Did I say your name right? So close. No. It's Holly Calvacina. Ha- Holly uh. Calvacina. Oh, Holly Cal- Calvacina. It's okay, meth. They got it. Meth. <laughs> oh, that's, hey, that's a drag queen in London. And um, and her teeth are not as nice as mine are. Ting, ting. <laughs> and then we also have the wonderful Tammy Montgomery. Oh, hell yes. Who is very dear to both me and Lisa. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about all kinds of things today. Um, Lisa, before we get to our guests, our guests, y'all just hang out in the wings. We'll get to you. Lisa, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty damn good. I mean, pretty damn good. Life is going well, if you ask me. Um, I'm about to get my own apartment. Oh, she's moving. Uptown girl. Uh, yeah, well, Midtown girl. Excuse midtown me. girl. Don't call me Uptown. I'm a Midtown girl. <laughs> Maybe not born and bred, but I am a Midtown girl. Um, got lots of shows coming up. I'm, I'll be traveling. I'm going to be doing Atlanta and Fayetteville, Arkansas. Nice. <sighs> we also, uh, this podcast will probably, will most certainly air after, but uh, I'm on one of your shows, the group yeah, therapy you show. Are on the group therapy show, which happens on the third Friday, basically, of every month. Um, and it's comedy with a little bit of music. Get out of town comics and in town comics, and we got meth on us this time. Miss <laughs> Meth. Miss <Yeah>. Moof. <laughs> Miss Moof, Moof, Moof. And I'll be doing comedy because uh, Lisa and I actually met through the stand-up scene here in Memphis. Um, and by met, I mean Lisa zoomed like a purple-haired comet into the PNH, and uh, I got really starry-eyed, and then stalked her for a little while, and then put myself in her path, and we became friends. And now we're here with a podcast together. Restraining orders do not work. I'm telling you, <laughs> not with a moth. We can fit through most windows and small cracks. If you have a wool sweater in your closet, I will find it. So what have you been up to, Ma? Oh, I've been up to all kinds of things today in particular. Um, so I had, I woke up and I had a cup of tea 
And then I had a banana, which I stuck in a jar of peanut butter just for a little bit of protein. And I ate the banana, uh, but I didn't eat the peel, though I have trial tried before. Have you smoked banana peels? I have never smoked banana peels, but there have been times in my lives and my many lives where I would have tried, you know, dry it out, like put a little spice on it. You never know where you might get. Uh, and then I spent the rest of the day uh, experimenting with printmaking because that is my my trade that I'm trained in. I'm working on a lovely print of a little girl in a frilly dress uh, with a pumpkin head with jack-o'-lantern head. And she's holding a lit firework and aiming it toward the sky. Um, and I really want to print it with like rainbow confetti uh, colors in the background. So I'm, I'm just like trying to get my process right and down, you know, just a normal normal afternoon for me how's your cats all of my cats all four of my cats the brood is doing just fine you know evelyn uh and winifred and i took a long afternoon lap lap nap one of them was in my lap but we took a long afternoon nap and uh i i got up and started making art and then now we're here oh my god we are having some family time and on Family Time tonight, uh, we've got our two guests, and first of which is Miss Holly. So why don't we bring Miss Holly into the fold? How's it going, dear? Hi, I'm okay. I've had kind of a rough day, actually. Oh, okay. How so? Um, I had a car accident. What? <laughs> and, you know, the process is supposed to be, like, you call your insurance, they handle it, it's done. And instead, just like everything that can go wrong has go- gone wrong. And I spent like $800 and six hours getting my car, my broken car towed to my parents' house out in Bartlett because it can't live on the street in front of my apartment. And the whole, like, from their card machine being down and me having to figure out how I was going to get that much cash to when they finally delivered the car, they were like, we don't have the key. So I locked the door and went to the office to get the key. And when we got there, they were like, oh, it's in your gas cap in the locked car. So I was like, you, you're paying for that locksmith, right? Like, <laughs> So, yeah, it's been a frustrating day, but I'm trying to focus on my blessings. Could be worse. It, she popped into the, my house today for a little bit, and all of a sudden we had one of our guests who was not going to show. <gasps> Holly could be on our show. Indeed. Speaking of blessings, because Miss Lisa is a blessing, and you've been a blessing for us today, because we had a guest not be able to make it. We'll have her soon. But, like, Holly just slid in the first base. And yeah. it's like, I'll do it. And this is I'm not the first time that Holly attention. and Mina have been on a podcast together either. This is, we, we are not podcast virgins by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, really? Oh, um, yeah, no big deal, but I'm a, like a little bit of an expert. So measure up. That's what I'm oh, saying. My, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> there's no pressure, Ma. Like, I don't see a magical measuring tape, Mary Poppins. Where is it at? <laughs> it's okay. You're already winning. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that I'm winning something these days. <laughs> Because I'll tell you something that's definitely not Drag Race this year. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't email me back. <laughs> it's all political. It, it it always is. I was like, oh, they don't need another skinny white girl on there. <laughs> that's the last. That's the, the world last isn't thing ready for your art. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for my art. <laughs> but Miss Miss Holly, so you've had you've had a rough day. Now I met you through Lisa, but how did you and Lisa meet? Um, I was thinking about this earlier and the way that we met is that um, for my day job, I'm the director of development at choices, Memphis center for reproductive health. And before I realized that my 
time was really valuable and I shouldn't work a million hours a week and I should focus on the important stuff. Um, I tried to have a blog launched from our website where people from our community could tell their stories. And a friend of mine said, I know this woman named Lisa who you have to meet and gave me her phone number. And I called her out of the blue and introduced myself. And we talked for two hours on the phone and have been pretty close friends ever since. That's true. That happens with Lisa. Lisa will pull you into a conversation very quickly. Well, I'll pull you into a conversation. Actually, I don't even have to pull people in. They just come up and people open, they just open up to me. Are you know? just gravitationally yeah. like drawn to Lisa Michaels. I don't know if it's the purple hair or well, other, other factors. The, even, my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> you said that I didn't. It was even before the purple hair, but you know, I have not always had purple hair, Ma. It's the purple spirit. Yeah, there we go, Miss Amethyst. You're like a Yankee candle. Oh, you Lisa would a be Yankee? a would be a delicious smelling Yankee candle. Yeah, just like warm and like everyone wants to like pick you up and smell you. Mm-hmm. She'd have a good and and candle technology. They but call like, the scent that it it, it gives yeah. its throw. She'd have a great throw. You'd be able to smell her for throughout the entire house. But we're talking about like emotional smells. Yes, you know, like yeah, yes. get on our level, Lisa. Yeah, it'd be like there'd be like a little a little lavender, a little patchouli, maybe yeah. like something that smells like like a delicious baked good. Yeah, like a like a brown sugar. Yes, there's usually like. something that smells around me, but it is. What do you What are you implying, Lisa Michaels? Something that's legal in other states. How about that? And we'll just leave it at that. When we we will leave it. Well, at I that. declare. <laughs> so, Miss Holly. What do you want to talk about today? What's on, what's on your mind, girl? Well, there's a lot on my mind, but I don't know if all that's appropriate there, for there, There's all There's all. What I love about your mind is like your mind ticks and whirls at a breakneck yeah. pace, which I, I feel you on that one, girl. One of my professors who was doing an independent study with me once told me he wouldn't be surprised to discover that I died alone in a giant room filled with post-it notes and string. And I was like, that is a compliment and also not. It's too on the nose. Yeah. Like, I don't like it when people get that close. <laughs> yeah, but I, when I was thinking about what I'd talk about today, I guess um, I thought I would talk about my journey of queerness. Ooh, Ooh. Sure. The new hero's journey. Wait a minute. Yeah. We said no queers on the show. Sorry. Lisa, you said no queers on the show. And then I said, Lisa, look in the mirror. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> that is true. So, Miss Holly, your your journey of queerness. Yeah, I feel like um, as most people who come out as bisexual in their 30s have, especially women, have this particular story where they were with men for most of their lives and then they discovered the beautiful joy that is being with women. Um, and my story's the opposite. I actually, I came out as a lesbian at 19 and continued to be one um, up until I turned 30. And due to a lot of factors that include some trauma, um, quick trigger warning, I was in an abusive relationship from age 19 to 29. Um, That's a decade. Yeah. So that'll probably come up because it's a big part of my life. Um, and then when I left that relationship, you know, like your girl needed to get laid. Um, and the thought of being with women was really triggering for me. Like, Oh, I went to a party once and a woman flirted with me and I threw up in the bathroom. Um, and I was like, you know, two weeks of that. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. I'm going to try sleeping with dudes. Um, 
and then I accidentally met my soulmate. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, oops. I fought it tooth and nail for a long time, but here we are. I once flirted with a guy at a party, and then he went to the bathroom and threw up. Are you oh, serious? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm ki- I'm kidding. <laughs> I did once flirt with a guy at a party, and then I went to the bathroom and fell asleep in the bathtub because I had mono. <laughs> oh, no. So, Holly, you have, I think that this is, you stand at a very interesting intersection. So, yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned that, I mean, you know, that's 10 years that you were in that relationship. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about the ways that you've grown since then? Yeah, definitely. And because you, you're, you and I talked some when you were fresh out of it, and I was really quite amazed. I was like, you were Oprah Winfreying your yeah the way that you were going to get through it. Like you had a battle plan. When that I was first really inspiring. Started trauma therapy. My therapist said, "Holly, you can't overachieve at this, and you can't graduate with honors." And I said, "Bitch, watch me." <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but so, uh, like I said, I met my, um, abuser when I was 19 and, you know, I had known that I was into women for a long time and I was writing in my little journal in high school. Like, I think I'm having sex dreams about women. Do you think that means I'm gay? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not. Um, and then I met her and she just like charmed the hell out of me and was like, Nobody else has been in love like this before. And, like, I don't know if you've met a 19-year-old before, but, like, we 100% believe in special love and have been training our entire lives for it. Uh, So I was, like, ready for this relationship. And I knew pretty early on that it was a lot more intense than my friends' relationships, and there was a lot of stuff happening that I didn't tell my friends about. Um, And it just progressed from there. And, you know, it took me a long time to realize that it was abusive, um, which is why I'm so comfortable and I feel it's so important to talk about this because I felt like abusive relationships looked like big, sweaty, drunk guys in like little tank tops, like hitting you against the wall and you have to go to the hospital. And if it wasn't that, it wasn't abuse. Um, So if he's not wearing a wife beater. Yeah. And especially if she's not a he, you know, Um and then I started to realize, like, it really sucks that my partner calls me stupid and ugly and worthless. And um, she always had a problem that as a teenager, I had had sex with men before. And even up until, you know, right before we broke up, she was calling me, you know, disgusting bisexual whore um, on a regular basis, which is why I'm like, you know, it's taken me. I feel like where I am with my queerness is like so trauma informed. Um And then right before my 30th birthday in March of this year, things were just really bad Um, and it was getting really violent and I was really scared and I was spending at least one or two nights a week sleeping in my car or if I had the money in like a really shitty hotel room um, and just trying to hide it from everyone. And then one day I just couldn't anymore and I left. Just in the middle of the day, she sent me a real mean text message, and I was just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. (laughs) And I just told her, I'm done. You know, I'm blocking you. I'll contact you later this evening. Um, And because it had been so bad, I had a duffel bag in my car. 
um, that I kept a couple changes of clothes in, some travel size shampoo because if you can't see at home, but I have a beautiful head of curls, mm-hmm. <laughs> red curls, and by you the need way. special product for that. <laughs> um, so you know, uh, I was able to have a couple of days of no contact. And then I have some really great friends and the community of survivors is a really warm, welcoming place. And people came around me, helped me figure out how to get my clothes and my dog and my cat out of the house. Um, and I started trauma therapy right away. And I really committed to it. Um, the first two or three months that I was out of the relationship, I was going to therapy one to two hours a week. Um, and I was doing about 10 hours of take home work, which means So part of what happens when you're abused is that they just completely destroy you. Um, So your entire sense of who you are is gone. Um, And then in addition to that, you at the time that you leave, you haven't looked at how bad it is. That's the thing is that to get through the day, you can't see what's happening. You have it's got to be not that bad. You disassociate. You're just not there for it. So it's like you finally get out and then you turn around and you look at like the scariest monster and all of the times that you were afraid that you were going to die or you were afraid that they were going to kill themselves in front of you, all of that, you just see it and you have to experience it again. Um, And it was really rough. And two weeks after I met, or two weeks after I left her and the day after my 30th birthday, I walked into a bar and met the person who would become the love of my life. Um, and that, you know, I, I tell him all the time, like, I can't believe you signed up for this. Because, you know, as it turns out, falling in love isn't like the magical cure that fixes your mental health problems. Um, they're still there. But yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm at the stage right now with PTSD where I'm having flashbacks. Um I'm not sleeping that great, but I'm able to recognize symptoms for what they are um, and, you know, meditate through it, uh, which is really oversimplifying it. You know, it's really hard, but, you know, that horrible, horrible monster took 10 years of my life. And I'm like, she's damn sure not stealing my joy in my 30s, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's just as I know you to be such a spirited and warm person and i think that just like i wish that i hope that anybody that's listening just like is applauding especially if they have been through something similar in any shade because like i think that you were just quite amazing holly is a very dynamic quite, human being quite amazing <coughs> dynamic is a great word great. Oh, thank you and she's got so many attributes there are too many to list I've known Holly for a few years now, and she was really good at hiding what was going on. And when she finally opened up, it was like listening to a horror story. And the fact that she's sitting at this table right now talking about and her life has changed so much. Props to Holly Calvacina. Calvacina, you hear that, Calvacina. (laughs) I feel like I'm in speech class again. I had a lisp growing up. She's, I mean, I have nothing but praise for her. And I'm so glad that you're out of that fucking horrible thing that you were in. Well, thank you very much. And if you're listening and you've been like, my relationship makes me feel bad. Like, get out when you're ready. You won't leave until you're ready. And I know that. But I just want to tell you, like, those things that you dream about at night. Like, I used to lay and, like, look at Craigslist and, like, look at apartment ads and be like, oh, one day. Like, I am doing that. 
Like I am living that life. Like tonight I, at the last minute was invited to do this podcast and I had plans with my boyfriend and I sent him a text that was like, Hey, I'm going to do this other thing instead. And he was like, okay, cool. Have fun. I'll see you after. Sorry, boo. But also thank you for understanding and being a supportive partner. (laughs) I mean, it sounds so normal, but if you've been with an abuser, it's like, your mind is blown. That's truly amazing. Here's to your next 10 years, baby. Just like, thank you. Because like you, you're quite amazing, and just that, and now like now you're a liberated woman. You can Thank you can you. do whatever the fuck you want to. And I know one of the pivotal times we met was when I was going through what I re- affectionately refer to as my empowered slutty phase. Empowered slutty phase. Um, yeah, and we talked about how you know how important it is to set boundaries for yourself. And looking back on you know, so I met the person who I fell in love with. Um, and the night I met him, you know, at the end of the night, I was like, Hey, so you want to go back to my place and like do it? Um, and then afterwards I took him out to breakfast. It was like five o'clock in the morning. I took him out to breakfast and I was like, okay, so I don't want to fall in love. You can't spend the night at my house. I like, um, and was basically like, I'm not gonna, like, we're not gonna do this to be in a relationship. And then to like prove to myself how much I didn't have feelings for him. Um, I started hooking up with some other people who, you know, like I knew and were comfortable with my rules. Um, and I had like eight rules fully listed out. And I was like, if you can't play by these rules, you can't play with me. Um, and it was very empowering. And what it ultimately did was give me a crash course in setting boundaries in interpersonal relationships and watching them be respected, which had never happened before. That is that conversation inspired me so much. Like, are you okay? You mentioned like you could write a book. When are you going to write a book? Uh, let me get done with fundraising season. Okay, after <laughs> fundraising season, like please, because I just feel like yeah, you, I think you have so much to give, and your perspective is is and so strong. I think there's this really strong idea that like women don't like sex happens to women, but you know, like especially in sort of heteronormative pairings. Um, but women don't want it. And there's sort of this passive, like this notion that women have to be passive. I mean, I remember growing up, I thought like, how would you ever kiss a boy first? You know, like (laughs) our society just really like takes you to that place. And there's so much power that comes from your sexuality and you just have to own it. And what I learned is that if you don't own it, someone else will, um, and, you know, like predators will get their hooks into you and you have to be able to set your own boundaries and be strong for yourself. Because um, it's so easy. It's so easy to get manipulated by someone. Damn. If you don't. <laughs> OK. Can we repeat that? Can we pin that on the wall? Yeah. If you don't own your sexuality, somebody else will. Yeah. That could be another person. That can be a government, an institution. My goodness. Uh, uh. Yeah. It, it's powerful. And it, you know, for me, it was really, it's also really important for me that, you know, now that I do identify as bisexual or pansexual, or sometimes I just identify as like tired, um, <laughs> like whatever, like any of the ways to identify, like that's what, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just Holly. Like, I like what I like, but it was important to me after so many years of being made to feel 
uh, like the literal words that she used to describe me because I'd been with men before were tainted, disgusting, worthless, um, unlovable, um, to be able to be bisexual and own that and feel accepted and respected and respect myself with it. Have you made some bonds with other people from, you know, there's a lot of the time I think that the, the B and that LGBT gets left out and, and oftentimes pushed to the side very often. You know, if you're not, you know, limp wristing yeah. gay 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 then you know i see this discussion online a lot and it's it's been going on for a long time i'd love for you to dialogue a little bit about that experience and feeling out you know that space itself yeah it was um i was nervous at first you know because i'd spent 10 years with this uh self-described like gold star lesbian which there's no problem if you're a gold star I'm lesbian, i'm so fucking like, sick no, of people's like, stars yeah and like, platinum stars but and gold also stars. like let's just talk for one second about how your sexual past doesn't have any val- like defining value on your worth right now like that whatever you've done in your sexual past that unless you're olive oil like your virginity doesn't matter um <laughs> but <laughs> um so I was really nervous and I thought that like the community of lesbians in Memphis were going to share my ex's viewpoints on it. And everyone was just like, yeah, you do you girl, whatever. Nobody cares. Um, and that was really great. But I also think that I'm more visible as a bisexual person than a lot of bi people are because for so long um, I was in a same sex relationship and I did identify as a lesbian. Um, so the, it's the, and also, like, if you've met my boyfriend, he's, like, the least toxically masculine person, like, in the entire world. Uh, and I often joke that, like, he's the lesbian of my dreams. Oh. <laughs> but, like, sorry, I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry I said that on the podcast. That's a, but, hey, but I think that that's a lovely compliment. Yeah. That's a lovely compliment. He's really cute, too. Like, every time we go somewhere with a lot of lesbians, there's always one blonde one that looks like him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. oh. Okay. Miss Holly. First of all, thank you for sharing your journey and your story with us. Thank it's you for inviting me. Very much appreciated. And I'm so excited for anybody out there to hear it. So we're going to bring you back to the table here in a little while just to like shoot the shit. Uh, but let's shift gears and talk to our other friend at the table, the magnificent Miss Tammy Montgomery. One of my favorite people of all time. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are going to make me blush on like uh, audio. You can We're blush on, on audio. audio. You can blush on audio. <laughs> I ha- I'm sure that I have before. Lisa makes me blush all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> I Lisa bet makes she most does. people <laughs> blush. Uh, so Tammy, before we we even begin, I have to just first of all, I wouldn't be sitting right here doing this. Uh, if not for Tammy Montgomery, because you were the person who gave me my first chance here in Memphis, and my first, you know, I never. I was just in the path. No, you, <laughs> because who, who, like, I came into the bar wide-eyed, no, no experience to Drew's place. Tammy Montgomery is the owner of Drew's place, and you know, said with my big sparkly hazel eyes, like, I want to do drag, <laughs> and and you were the one that 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 got me on your stage and 
I'll forever be thankful for that and grateful for that space. And you were fantastic. And uh, I mean, I still have that video. Thank you. That is a mighty compliment because I saw the way I was dancing that night. (laughs) I'm surprised I didn't take out any lights. Hey, it it all worked out. (laughs) It did. I'm much Mm -hmm. more graceful these days. You are. But Tammy, I just, I thank you for so much of what you've done for me to, it's really, you changed my life in so many ways. So I want to, uh, first of all, time out before you you wonder, I get to talk to once in a while. Lisa's time. Lisa, you know, you just tell me, Mothy, be quiet. (laughs) Hey. You see, Lisa, Lisa's flirting with fans out the window. Is my neighbor. Um, Tammy also gave me my first show in Memphis, Tennessee. That she did. Well, something that, that Lisa and I have bonded over. So, Lisa, did you How tell? How long ago was that? Five years ago. Five years? Mm-hmm. I knew it was something like that, but I, I wasn't It was sure. almost like five and a half years, because before I decided to move here. Yeah. Um, here's the re- quick, I'll do the story. Um, I'm from California. I came to Memphis. I went, I stayed for a month. I hadn't been in Memphis in 15 years. The last weekend I was in town, they took me to Drew's. My friends did. And I fell in love with the place. And I made it like um, my mantra that I wanted to play Drew's the next year. Because I came back to Memphis the next year and I stayed two months, played music all over town as a transgender person to see what the reaction would be. Well, the first time I walked into Drew's and I got back, I, even though I'm a stage whore, I can be quite shy. And I remember talking to one of the bartenders. I don't remember who, but there was a drag show going on. I go, so who do I talk to about entertainment? And I think they thought I wanted to be a drag queen and it didn't go anywhere. So I just kind of left all, you know, bummed out. But I went in there like a week or so later, I was on my way to another open mic down at Kudzu's and I got there early. I came in, there's only like four or five people in the bar and I had a drink, so I had a little liquid courage. And then I started talking to this girl, and I go, man, you know, one of my desires is I really want to play at this bar. And she goes, well, did you bring your guitar? And I go, yeah. And she goes, well, go ahead. And I go, do you think the bartender will let me? And they, they ask me, yes. So I come in there. I play three songs. I turn around. There's $22 in my guitar case. So they're throwing me, and they go, you got to talk to Tammy. You got to talk to Tammy. Well, I talked to Tammy, and she put me on a show that weekend. So that's my Drew story. Tammy gets you in the door fast when she wants you there. Well, why waste right time? I know. Well, time's all we got. Yeah. So let's let's turn back time a little bit. I want to talk about your journey. Just like I know you as Tammy, the owner of Drew's Place, and but I don't know a lot about the way that you grew up and the way that you came up. So tell me a little bit about little, little Tammy. Oh, man. I grew up in a little town called Paragould, Arkansas. And I didn't come out young. I was in my 20s when I came out because I really didn't even know what gay was when I was in high school. So, I mean, it just wasn't something that was talked about. I'm a little older than the two of you. I mean, we're probably more on the same. Lisa and I are a little more on the same. uh, You're you're mature. You have more insurance. We're we're more mature, yeah, then we're going to go with that. Uh, but, not a word that describes me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lisa's a, a girl at a seventh grade dance. <laughs> yeah, so I just really never, I never even thought about there being an option outside of, you know, you meet a guy, you get married, you have 2.5 kids, a dog, and a white picket fence. Um, and 
that just never really seemed to work out for me <laughs> at all. So I uh, I ended up, I guess I was probably 22, maybe 23, and got around some people who lived a little different lifestyle than what I knew existed and uh, asked a lot of questions and realized this is what's wrong. This is why this doesn't work for me um, and started seeing someone and we stayed together for seven years, uh, my very first relationship and grew up a lot together and uh, we're still friends to this day. So uh, it's, it is definitely uh, something that I really haven't even thought about because I've always just been me. I don't, never tried to do anything, you know, just to hide who I was or anything like that. Um, I've only lost, I think, one job because of being gay. Uh, that's pretty good. You know, I mean, that, ain't, that ain't bad no, in the South. <laughs> it's really not. I mean, and I'm, I don't even think about it. I mean, I, I just live my life every day. I don't consider myself like I'm not a real, there's so many people who are so active and they're advocates and, you know, they fight for rights and things like that. I mean, I, I am someone who just, I truly, I support those causes, but I'm someone I just live my life. Yeah. And hopefully people see that and I live openly. I mean, my wife and I, you know, we're, we're as involved as humanly possible in the community and things like that. But, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just me. That's the way it's always going to be. So, but I love having the bar. I mean, that's, it's a huge part of my life. It was never something that was expected or planned. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is the next thing that I wanted to to talk to you about was your journey to becoming you know, a business owner and, and a leader in this community was very, well, very sudden oh, in many ways. Yeah. So tell, tell me about like, you know how quick you got on the stage? Yeah. That's that, how quick I bought a bar. There we wow. Go. So tell, let's, can we unpack that story a little bit? Oh yeah. Um, I was, I had left corporate America. Uh, I realized that was not for me. So I'd been in the travel industry um, and had a pretty big time job at that point. Uh, I, it was either going to be relocate or uh, take a severance package. And I chose to do that at that point because I knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. So I was trying to find something fun that I would enjoy. So at the point I bought the bar, I was working at a motorcycle dealership. I was a manager at a motorcycle dealership because I love motorcycles. I did not know that. Yes. Absolutely. And sitting at home, my girlfriend and I, who's actually, her name is Drew. The bar is named after her. Uh, She, we're sitting out on the deck. I've gotten home from work. We get a phone call. And it was someone saying, hey, did you hear the jungles for sale? Which is what the bar was called prior to me buying it. And we're like, well, no, but why would we care? I mean, neither one of us had ever talked about having a bar. I didn't even hardly go to the bars except to pick Drew up when she'd had too much to drink. And she won't even mind me saying that. <laughs> Next night, same thing happened. Somebody totally different calls and says, hey, did you hear the jungles for sale? 
And I'm like, is the universe trying to tell us something or what stage directions? What's going on? I mean, did we just not get the hint last night? Um, Drew being Drew, she is larger than life. She picked up the phone, called Sharon Ray, who owned the jungle and said, Hey, I hear you. The jungle's for sale. What do you want for it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, 30 minutes later, we're at in, sitting in front of the jungle going in to look at it. I think it was about three days after that. I told her I wanted it. Two weeks after that, I had I'd given my notice and worked my last day at my job. And that was a little over 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. Um, it was a whirlwind. And I had no idea what I was doing at all. I mean, I'd ran businesses since I was 19. I've got a master's degree in business, but a bar is not just a business. <laughs> it is, it's a totally different world. So I was in so far over my head, I couldn't see straight. And I just, it, it's the most expensive education I've ever had. And I would not trade one moment of it. Sure. It was, it's been the most fantastic experience uh, anyone could ever want out of life. I've met so many incredible people. gives me a chance to really make a difference. You know, when you're making six figures, you can write a check. You know, of course, now I'm not making six figures, but I can use the resources that I have to really make an impact. And that's that's the biggest part for it for me. I mean, it's that's the part that means the most. I mean, like tonight, I've got a toy drive I'm going to when I leave here. So um, I love being able to do stuff like that. And really, really affect people's lives. So whether it's from art and entertainment to, you know, Lisa, I mean, coming in with music and comedy and has introduced me to so many interesting people um, through our relationships and getting to see the different things that you've done on the stage and the people that you've brought in that uh, are just fantastic. I mean, I, I love being able to be a place where all of that can come together. And just support art of any kind. Um, we had an art show the other day. Yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, it's there there are no rules. I can do whatever I want now that yeah, I, you know. It's your bar. It's my bar. I can I can just make stuff up. I yeah. love it. <laughs> and I love your you know, I think that your perspective, you know, it's it's no secret that, you know, queer owned bars have, you know, only disappeared is over the past few years but tammy i think that your perspective and that you know a bar is not just a bar a bar can be a community hub is very very powerful and i think that especially right now that is is something to talk about and that yeah uh the local gay bar absolutely performs an amazing function and our community. So can we talk a little bit about that? Because oh, yeah. I, I, you were so passionate, such a passionate advocate for that. So yeah. let's well, go there. I grew up at, a, you know, the time that I grew up in, I mean, you, you couldn't hold your partner's hand until you walked inside the doors of the bar. I mean, the bar was our, that was our sanctuary. Um, and now things are so different and things are so much more open. Thank goodness that, uh, all of those dollars that we used to concentrate and funnel in to the gay bars now get dispersed all around town. Um, so you're going to see fewer and fewer, you know, traditional gay bars. Um, that's just economics. Yeah. And 
And social acceptance, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's also, we're in a position where we have kind of a a higher calling or that I see because there are so many things that uh, are key to the acceptance that we have now. And a lot of that goes back to things like the the drag queens and the performances and the people who fought. Um, I sit every day with uh, Melina, who was a queen back in the late 60s, early 70s in Memphis, and has been arrested on stage because she was wearing women's clothing. Um, and I, I get to talk to these people. And for us to have a place and to remain relevant and support the arts that have played such an important role in our community. Uh, that's, that's one of the key things that I feel like we have to do. And that's always a balancing act between really embracing um, the new and the more alternative styles and still making sure that we keep that traditional drag, you know, in, in the mix and trying to find a way to keep all that going. It's, yeah, it's challenging sometimes, but I really feel like that's a huge part of, of where we're at is, is maintaining that history and, you know, that, that the painting that hangs in the bar with all the bars on it. Um, there's a bar, there's a, there's this huge canvas that I did. It's probably what five, five foot by eight feet, I think mm-hmm. is about the size of it. And, um, what we did, we went through and, uh, came up with all of the names that we could possibly come up with and i think there's 108 or 109 names on that canvas of all the bars that have existed in memphis since the 60s i think is as far as we could get back i think if we went back further than that we'd had to been digging some people up to ask them questions so but we listed all of those names and it just represents our history and where we've you know come from um and a lot of those places were you know, underground, you couldn't, you know, they, they weren't exactly publicized in the Memphis Flyer no. or the commercial appeal. <laughs> Doesn't it do your heart good to see the younger generation just be so much more open and free about being queer? Than- it really does. See, that's another thing, like, because you guys use the word like queer, mm-hmm. like in when I grew up, that was, a, a, that, was a, a that was, I mean, you were calling somebody a very bad word if you said that. And so it's so hard for me to get used to. Every time it's, I hear it, I cringe a little bit. And it's amazing how a word can make us feel that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's but a we very... Take, we've taken it back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's why I have a band called Midtown Queer. Yeah. You know, like... But it's very... It's so different. You know, I've, I do love to see when the younger generation is interested in the history. Um, and, you know, we grew up, you know, like... I mean, it's horrible to say, but it, somebody dies. Where do you go? You go to the bar. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone's going to be there. And we were such a close-knit family. And when I see someone in their 20s, we had a we had a young girl pass away in a car accident in their 20s. And all of us in my age group, we immediately go to the bar. We're like, we got to be there for, the, for them when they come. They never showed up. They didn't know they had a family there. Yeah. Um, and they, it, it, that makes it really hard because you want them to understand the support system that they have, even if, I mean, they don't realize it, 
but um, it's been it was so tight knit and you took care of your own and you took care of your people and you made sure everyone was covered if anything happened or if anybody needed anything. And I think getting out of that real tight circle, um, things like that get lost. So it's good and it's bad. I mean, but I think the trade off, I mean, of course, I mean, I'm married now. Who would have thought that would have happened? I have the most fabulous wife, too. Have I told you that? You haven't, met, you haven't mentioned it on the podcast. Do you, she do you want to expound? Fan, she is fantastic. She is absolutely one of the most incredible people I know um, and is so incredibly supportive. Uh, I just absolutely adore her. Uh, she's going to be meeting me for your, for dinner here in a few minutes, too. Where, where are y'all going to eat here? Uh, somewhere. I don't know. I've never... I, you know, I have not... Visited one single restaurant here yet? Really? It's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's some good stuff here. Are you here kidding? I work Town. all the time. I know. Well, I, I know mean, that. I say I work all the time, but my job doesn't feel like a job, so it's fantastic. I mean, I, I get to play every day. I mean, try, seven days a week. Trying <laughs> to keep your ponies from kicking Speaking turns into playing, a job with me. <laughs> one of my uh, bucket list is to always ride on the back of a Harley or something with some gay woman driving. Can I go for a ride on a bike with you sometime? Well, sure. If you find us a bike, I have you don't no have time a bike. To... It's gonna have to be purple. Oh, it's gonna be purple. <laughs> no, I've. Well, I mean, when you work seven days a week, you don't have a whole lot of time to to work on bikes. Play with toys like okay. that. Fine. Well, if the opportunity ever comes. <laughs> Besides, you've got a whole cast of dolls to play with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we find a bike. We'll we'll definitely go for a ride. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, Tammy, thank you for, for sharing your story and your experience of being, I think I have such, I have a really profound admiration for you. And as I move forward, I think, you know, something that, that you're very much aware of and Lisa's very much aware of. This has been a weird year for me, but I just thank you so much for all the support that you've given me and the weird ride that it's been so far as I started doing drag at Drew's Place in May of 2016. And then it's just been a very interesting runaway train since then. But I thank you so much for always being there and, and for supporting me through all of that. And I think about our community right now. It seems like there is a destabilization that has occurred and that there are, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I'll almost call it, biodiversity among you know, all the different sub communities that are within, you know, that one, the big umbrella of the alphabet soup. That is the LGBTQIA um, all the way through, through X community. There's so much going on in each of those sub communities. And as everybody's figuring out their own space, I think that, you know, I'm not I'm not clairvoyant, though some people may think that I am. I think that there will be another coming together as time time co- goes on. I think right now with technology and media and the strange place that the world is in, it's we're figuring it out. But we're gay people. We're good at figuring stuff out. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and we organize know, very well. Have you ever seen a pride parade? <laughs> yeah, and with everyone, I mean, trying so hard to focus on how they're different, when the bottom line is to to really connect with another human being 
it doesn't matter how you and I are different. It doesn't matter that you're a man and I'm a woman and, you know, I date women and, you know, Lisa's a, Lisa's a woman and Lisa dates women. I mean, it doesn't matter all that. It just doesn't matter. It matters that I connect with you as another human being. Exactly. I connect with you as another human being. We connect as human beings and it's about just showing love and respect for each other. It's not, it doesn't have to have anything to, I mean, you don't have to work so hard to prove you're different because I look at you as a much more special person. If just, if you can show love to other people, whether they agree with you or not, whether they're different than you or not, if you can just show love to them, that's, that's all that matters. I mean, that, that's how, what it's going to take for us to all come together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of subcultures right now. <laughs> yeah. I can't even keep up with all the alphabet. No, it's, I mean, there's so much going on. I think that, I think it's truly good because everybody's, everyone is in a process of becoming and then the next step will be everybody commingling. Again, I mean, we already do. I think that, you know, when we talk about these things in media, there's a tendency to separate things into boxes more than necessary. Oh yeah. Anyway, because like, I mean, we're all, we're all among each other anyway, especially in a city like Memphis where everybody is flowing together. Yeah. We're, we're all 10 years, 10 years ago. They told me that I was crazy for thinking that I was going to have a bar that lesbians and gay men would go to. Oh, to think in the oh same building gosh. oh what? my goodness what a novel idea what How? <laughs> uh, you know I, and it was hard but i mean in the beginning just to get that through that it was okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but we've oh, certainly overcome that yeah so. <laughs> oh i think so oh i think so so you know what i like about this show what do you like we get awesome guests on this we show. do we've had some really wonderful guests and we're building the family more and more as Queer time goes on. Queers, movers, and shakers. Queers, movers, and shakers. Hey, let's shakers. do a roundtable, Ma. So, Lisa, is there anything? So I have something that, a question that I would like to, to throw out. Go for it. Into the table. So, Tammy, the conversation about the word queer is something that has actually come up in my own life a few times over the past few weeks. So, I'm very interested in kind of unpacking that with everybody for a moment. You know, I identify very much so as as queer and queerness to me you know that was a term that was reclaimed in academia first you know there was like queer studies and queer theory and that was a lot of material that i got to know through art college of course those things started to come about long before i was on the scene but having an, a definition that could not really be pinned down or, you know, what is, what is queerness? Well, you know, what isn't queerness? I found that to be very liberating as somebody that, yeah, I never very, I never really felt very comfortable in my, in my skin. But yeah, I was like, well, I'm a guy, I, su- I do suppose, but through drag, I, I came to know my queerness and came to understand my queerness as something that is much bigger and much broader than you know my gender or my sexuality and that you know i'm i'm very comfortable my pronouns are you know he she them they like i'll i'll answer to and it call me ishmael like i for me like i feel like i we feel the same and that like i'm just you know 
I'm John and I'm Moth, and it's either or, or sometimes Mr. JT if you're one of my students. But yeah, you know, I don't have those negative associations with the word queer, but people from your generation, I I see that that is something that runs so deep, and I'm really interested in talking about that. Look, and we've, we've got some crazy characters <laughs> outside the window. Yes, we do. Blowing his kisses. Well. So how about we turn it over to Holly, because we talk about, you know, yeah. Lisa and I use the word queer in all of our branding and very explicitly. So why don't you unpack for a moment? Um, yeah, I was just thinking the first time I ever heard the word queer, I was probably nine years old. And my grandmother said, I love Elton John's music, but he's a queer. And I was like, what? Excuse me? Like, what? You mean he's weird? Like, what is that? And she was like, she said something kind of crude, like to the effect of like, no, he has sex with other men, but in a crude way, only a slightly redneck Southern grandma can. <laughs> um, and then the second time I heard the word queer, I was studying, I was getting my master's in English. Um, and I heard it as a verb and it was like queering, it was like queering. Um, I think it was queering Victor- Victorian literature. And what it was about was reading these traditionally stuffy, very like, female-driven Victorian tomes with the idea that perhaps there's something more going on and read between the lines and come up with a woman-focused or queer-focused interpretation. Um, And I just, I loved that definition. And then, you know, this year, as I've been on this crazy journey to rediscover my sexuality, I've only recently been comfortable identifying as bisexual um, because there is just something about being choked against a wall while you're called a bisexual whore that leaves a, a bad taste in your mouth. Um, and it was hard for me. And so queer was a safe space for me to nestle um, while I was, you know, getting to the place where I could identify as bisexual. Um, and I think that for a lot of people, queer is a safe space to nestle. And um, I wanted to tag on a little bit to what you were talking about before I think for a really long time, if you had the audacity to do something as radical as not conform to the heteronormative patriarchy, um, so have feelings for someone of the same gender or not express masculinity and want to wear a skirt if you were a man or want to wear pants if you were a woman, that was it. That was your identity. You were gay and not happy. You know, like it was, that box. was it. And Thrown so, like, by necessity, the community of people who were not heterosexual and couldn't pass came together and formed one community. And we're building a society now for the first time where you can be queer and a punk. You can be queer and a nerd. You can be queer and into anime. Like if there is a way for you to be queer and into any other subset of society you want to. Um, And that's really cool. And, I'm excited to see what comes next, but I'm also excited by the idea, you know, in movies, there's always the like token gay person, but that's like a real life. You can have a real life friend group where there's like one or two people who identify as queer in some way and they're fully accepted and still get to live full lives within that group. And that's not something that was realistic. I mean, even I'm only 30, but even when I was growing up as a teenager, that wasn't something that you could realistically hope for. 
well, at least was, not in Memphis. It was so dangerous. You know, yeah. the, and even now I think about, you know, and the current political climate and even, you know, let's face it, we're in the South, but it can still be very dangerous in the South. And uh, I have some very sweet neighbors. Uh, word got out that my partner and I wanted to paint our house pink, uh, which has you know, always been our dream to have a, a little pink manor here in Memphis. Um, and we have a wonderful neighbor who um, is, is was very concerned and very sweet. We we have some older neighbors, and uh, you know, he talked to us the other day, and he was like, "I'm scared that if y'all paint your house." pink something's going to happen to you that you know that somebody's going to come and hate crime you so to speak and the way that his eyes watered while he said that to me meant that he'd spent a lot of time thinking about that and this is a a person from an older generation who's seen much more and remembers you know yeah i growing up in pickwick I come from small small town background, as many of us do. But thankfully, I I didn't get messed with a lot. You know, we kind of lived up on a hill in the woods, and you know, I was just kind of the weird. You know, every now and then a fairy is going to be born in the town, and you know, if if you just kind of like leave them be, they'll go away, and that's pretty much what happened. You know, but I you know had children length bright red hair and with blue streaks, and that was just kind of when in doubt, freak them out. Um, people just didn't know what to do with me. Um, so I created my own, own space and I didn't have to face as much of the reality that like today being born in the era that I'm born in, I was born in. Um, I'm so thankful that, you know, I get to go to work with my nails painted because that's, you know, that's not just something that I do for drag. Like, I, I keep my pale nails painted most of the time. Yeah. You know, I, because that's, part of the way that I express myself. Like I gotta have my nails match my outfit, you know, but I didn't have to, to be on the front lines. Like I think that's why stories like Marsha P Johnson and what she did for the community and how hard she had to fight. She and Sylvia Rivera and so many people. Uh, I remember talking to a the girl. ages. Lisa, take it away. I remember talking to a girl in your bar one time. Don't ask me who it's been too long. But she told me that she took a girl to her high school prom and she got chased down the street and people were throwing rocks at her. Does that sound familiar to somebody you know? I've heard so many stories that are, I mean, similar to that because, you know, you got to think. That would have happened if I would have probably tried to take a girl to my senior prom. Uh, So that wouldn't be, that really wouldn't be too far back generationally to... You know, to imagine. I've I've had this conversation with lots of my friends. I feel less queer sometimes, or not as authentic, because I came out so late in life. Even though I've had cross-dressing tendencies all my life, I've had I had a homosexual relationship with a childhood friend from twelve to eighteen. You know, I've been down that road, but there was so much social. I couldn't be me, and nor did I understand me. So I don't know. I'm babbling, but. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel as authentic. And then other people, you, you've got in my face. No, Lisa. If you, yeah. I was about to say, Lisa, if you're not queer enough, like what the hell are the rest of yeah, us going to do? Oh my God. <laughs> but I mean, I guess where I was coming from is like, 
two things. I got picked on horribly as a child, but I didn't understand it. I understand it now because the kids could see the queer in me before I could see the queer in me, mm-hmm. right? Because before I, you know, but I did not have to put up with a lot of, especially as an adult, I did not have to put up with the discrimination that a lot of people faced. And that's where I, sometimes I feel less authentic. It's like, I didn't have to, that struggle. But now being a transgender person <laughs> out in public, I get to deal with all kinds of things. Oh, I bet. You know, uh, I'm always under the microscope, but sometimes that, that's just a personal thing that goes in my head. Yes, I'm queer. I'm very queer, you know, but Wait. I haven't worn the banner as long as most people have. You know, I think that's where I feel kind of weird sometimes. But I think that this moment, and I hope that, you know, outside of this table, uh, across the world over moments like this, where it's queer people of different generations and different backgrounds are coming together to share our stories together and cross-reference what went on with us. Something that, you know, the first person that I came out to was my father. And I came out to him at, at 15 and thankfully, I was born to a very lovely, gentle man. Um, I think had I been born to most other people from my hometown, I wouldn't have been treated quite so nicely. And my father took really good care of me. But that's all to say that I was able to have my own experience. And then, you know, at high school, that was a little bit different. But you know, now I'm rambling. I've lost my I've lost my point. That's all to say, just being able to cross-reference our experiences is so powerful. And I think that that's part of this next step that we're taking forward is what scared me when I was young was I was like, I didn't have any narratives to fall back on. I was like, I don't, you know, I've never seen a queer person, a gay person be successful. I've never seen an example. I've never seen an example of that when I was younger. Like I, at 14, I was like, well, I mean, I, I'm going to die alone. Cause I'm like, what are my options here? And, and that can be really bleak. Like I think that that feeling of dread and we're coming out of a time where, you know, we are seeing more gay representation in media. You know, for a while it was kind of very like, tra- like Brokeback Mountain. Like I think about the tragic gay story, yeah. mm-hmm. like the very sad, very tragic gay story. Just movies about gay people being gay. Yeah. Was, you know, like there was no other thing in their life. Just like, here's a movie about someone who's gay. Isn't yeah. When I sad? think about, when I think about who I am, I mean, the fact that I'm a lesbian and I am with a woman is like so far down the list. It doesn't even count. I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's that's a, not how I identify it's myself. It's a component. Yeah. And just a very small part. Yeah. Um, I look at my life and that's really not even something that I focus on. I mean, I, I look at the work that I try to do and the, the people that I come in contact with. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a business person. I'm, you know, someone who cares about my city. I care about my, the gay community, but my city as a whole, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that I'm married to a woman, I mean, that just is what it is. <laughs> I, mean. yeah. I, remember, I remember when I first came out, and I started like going to trans clubs and stuff and I would open up to some of my, you know, straight friends or whatever. And I would not, all of a sudden I wasn't like not invited to their house or I don't know if I can take you there or whatever. And I was like, it was a hard thing for me to get in my head because I know how I roll. I know what, what kind of person I am, but 
they couldn't get past it. So, you know, it, that that's part of the queer experience. So I guess yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll wear my cue <laughs> proudly. And I wanted to go back to something you said a minute ago, and it just struck me, like, as a community, not just as a queer community, but just as a cultural moment right now, like, we have to stop trying to win in the oppression Olympics or the hardship Olympics, you know, because the truth is everybody's fighting their own battle and one person may be harder than someone else's on paper, but you don't know what traumas they're bringing into that. You don't know what they're going through. Like, you know, we're just meat sacks out here trying to do our best and everybody's got their own problems. And I think it's, we just have to start accepting people the way they are and loving them the way they are and not trying to, make ourselves feel like we're not good enough because we don't think that we've had enough suffering or, you know. Yes. Yes. Um, something that I worship at the altar of Liz Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> I love, no, and I say that with a laugh. I love Eat, Pray, Love. Like she, something, and she, you know, came out within the past couple of years and, you know, wrote a really beautiful article about, you know, coming out late in life but it, in an interview she once said you know, at the end of the day like when you are are looking at all the decisions that you made you know how many times did somebody else like hold you back from doing something or bar you from doing something and how many times was it just you standing in your way she's like when all the oppressors are gone like don't don't become your final oppressor and i think that that is something that as a culture we have internalized in many ways. It's like, it's like, I can't, I don't believe that I can go there or do that because, you know, what are they going to think? And whatnot. And on one side of the coin, that's a very, I still feel that that's a very valid question to ask because it's a question of like, am I going to be physically safe doing this as a drag queen, like a drag queen who has made her career out of, putting myself in spaces where I don't quote unquote belong. Yeah. I've been, you know, scared. I've been like, well, you know, am I going to get hit this time? Like, who knows? Maybe this is, you know, maybe this is the time, but on the flip side of the coin, like I'm not, we're a completely different species. Like we're so lucky to have been born in the era that we're born in because we get to go out and do what we do and and have a greater modicum of safety and respect and modern culture and that like if we can't use that privilege effectively like what do we have it for in the first place yeah exactly exactly and ju- you know just love each other more and love yourself more solidarity i think that solidarity is yeah a big part of the conversation well i think the biggest thing i mean too as an individual you have to own your space in this world. And what I find um, with a lot of people that I've talked to, I don't know so much about the younger generation, but a lot of people in my age bracket um, is that there's still something inside them that they don't accept about themselves. And we grew up for so long hearing how wrong we were that I think that feeds into a lot of it. I personally have never experienced that. Uh, Since I figured out what being gay was 
and realized that that's why I didn't like the absolutely fantastic men I dated all my life. I mean, and they truly were. I mean, anyone would have wanted to marry them. Um, except for you. Except for me. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then when I figured it out, I'm like, oh, got it. Uh, surprise. Sorry, boys. Mom, Dad, I figured it out. Um, my parents aren't shocked anymore by anything. Oh, by the way, I finished my master's, but I'm buying a bar. <laughs> yeah, I'm real popular at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Oh, me um, too. Now my parents come down. They they actually hang out at the bar when they come to town. Hell so, yeah, yeah, they love it. My dad's just amazed by drag queens. No, yeah, but it's just it's probably like watching aliens. I mean, he actually he comes over and he's like, "Okay, now that's a man." No, that that no that that's got to be a woman. No, Dad. That's a man. He's a performer. He's dressed like a woman. And trying to explain that to them is it's the it's the most fun I have. I mean, just to see the look on his face, he's like, no. I'm like, yeah, dad. Yeah. When I brought my dad to Drew's place, he he was like, Man, son, there are just some dolls here. (laughs) There are some dolls here. And I was like, Yes, Dad. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm like, Dad, but yeah, you. if Mom gives you permission to go after one of those, you're going to get a big surprise. Yes. Huge. <laughs> probably huge <laughs> surprise, Dad. But you're going to have to um, sift through some pantyhose. Yeah. <laughs> it may take a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Well, I do believe that we have had a wonderful evening together. Holly and Tammy, I want to thank you all so much for being here and sharing this time with us, sharing your stories and being open and vulnerable. Do y'all have any closing comments at all, starting with Miss Holly? Um, I have some stuff to promote. Okay. It's the yeah, time and to anything to plug. Anything that you want to plug. Um, the first thing I want to plug is sometime around January 20th, um, I will be working with the wonderful ladies of Shout Your Abortion. Um, if you haven't heard it out, if you haven't seen it before, go to Twitter, check out hashtag Shout Your Abortion. Um, for their Memphis stop on their book release tour and organizing events that involve multiple parties is a nightmare. So right now what I can tell you is it'll be sometime around January 30th at the high tone or the Tiki lounge. Follow us on Facebook to get that final result. Um, And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, We are going to have storytellers an opportunity for you to tell your story and just a chance to celebrate the fact that we are allowed to make our own reproductive health choices and we are here to continue to fight for them. Um, and then the second thing I want to plug is condominium. Um, maybe I'm biased because I'm in charge of putting it on, but I think it is the best party in Memphis. It is a fashion show with outfits made out of condoms. This year is going to be lit. It's at uh, the Columns downtown. Oh, it's changing locations. Oh, yeah, we are. It is... At the Columns downtown, we basically took it down to its core, which is we need outfits made out of condoms, and then redesigned everything this year. So it is going to be ritzier, bigger. You will be able to vote for your favorites with your phone. The models will be mingling in the crowd. Um, We will have better prizes than ever before. And our... uh, MCs this year for the entire event. We won't have it separated. Everything will be happening on one stage. Um, we decided to do something really funny, which is to put Richard Douglas Jones and Goldie D together as a team. Perfection. Um, and it's going to be hilarious. So you've, you've got to, you've got to get your tickets. You got to come. 
It's a fun event. Me and Miss Lisa have been present at the past two. I've been present at the past two. I don't know how many Lisa's been Four. on. Four. Right, Lisa's our honored guest. When we changed things up this year, I was like, but I'm... I'm still going to give that bitch some VIP tickets. Like, mm-hmm. it's not it's not condemnium without Lisa in the room. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Tammy, anything anything to plug? Oh, wow. <laughs> everything. Uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Get out a, the calendar. It's a tight schedule. I mean, now through the end of December, we've got food drive going on. We feed 120 families every Christmas and try to restock. Um, we work with Little Flower Church over on Jackson and we try to keep their pantry restocked after the holidays because they get so wiped out. Uh, we've got Christmas shows coming up. The best thing to do is to like, uh, like us on Facebook. It's Drew's place. Uh, D R U apostrophe S. Um, we post everything there, but I mean, I had 10 or 11 special events just in the month of December on top of our seven day a week schedule. So it's been a little hectic. <laughs> it's always it's always a party at Drew's place, but you run it so well, and I've I been, try. I've been really blessed to be a part of the history of Drew's place and a part of your family, Tammy. And uh, I am just I wake up grateful every day. Just thank you Thanks. for the space. Thank you for being here in the city, for sticking around in Memphis to take care of Memphis. Okay, Lisa, shall we wrap it up? We shall wrap it we up. We shall wrap it up. Okay, guys and girls and everyone outside and in between, my name is Moth Moth Moth. And I am Lisa Michaels, the Purple Hair Tramazon. And remember that wherever you are, whoever you are, we love you and that you have a place with us and a family with us. Listen, be safe, y'all. And come to our New Year's show at Midtown Crossing Grill at the end of this month. Ring in the new year. Yeah, New Year's would be at the end of the month, Mom. Well, I mean, you never know. Chinese New Year's is... I don't even know when. But anyway, bye, everybody. We love you. Bye. 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 Family Time Podcast is an OAM production, available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and the OAMnetwork.com. Your hosts were Lisa Michaels and Moth Moth Moth, produced by Gil Worth, logo by Legends of Shelda Design and Illustration. You can find Lisa Michaels on Facebook and also on Instagram at Looks Like Lisa, and Moth on Instagram at Magical Miss Mothy.